Welcome to The Untrue Show, a personal journal covering pop culture, millennial life, relationships, and career from an untrue point of view, hosted by me, Dana Jones. I had a really, really great holiday break. It was actually the holiday plus my birthday. So my birthday falls three days after Christmas and three days before the new year starts. So it's a really great time to take things easy, slow down, and just really reflect on the year past and goals that I have for 2021. I've been reading this really great book and maybe I should save that tidbit for later, but man, it has really motivated me to set goals without the limits of what's possible. So just really thinking bigger, thinking grander, thinking better, and driving myself to to new levels in 2021. <laughs> so in speaking about that and self-reflection, self-evaluation, the topic I want to talk about today is soul. And I watched soul It took me two days because, you know, the excitement of Christmas Day, I couldn't make it through the whole film that day. I ended up really sitting down to to absorb it and digest it on December 26th, the day after that it, it came out. But I'm so appreciative that we are able to still enjoy new movies on streaming platforms. And maybe that's a new thing that's going to come out of all this stuff because I rented Mulan a couple months ago, not rented. I bought new, (laughs) I bought Mulan a couple months ago, right when it came out to be able to watch it on Disney plus. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was my favorite live action movie. So I had already been looking forward to soul way back when they first started releasing the previews and the trailers. And I had this preconceived notion of what I thought it was going to be about when I first saw the trailer. I'll get into that in a little bit, but ultimately exceeded my expectations. And it turned out to be a really, really good movie. And it wasn't as predictable as I thought it was going to be. And as I've rewatched it, I feel like I'm catching different things that I appreciate even more about the film. So I would really just like to walk through all the things that I loved about the movie and then a couple things that I didn't really think were my so my favorite or my most favorite parts. But of course I have way more things that I love than I didn't. So let's get into that. I first and foremost am a fan of most of the Pixar movies. Uh, I should probably rank them, but I will definitely have to just acknowledge the fact that since I've gotten Disney Plus I had not ever seen Cars 2 and 3, maybe. I've since watched those. Those are definitely not my favorite, but uh, all the other ones I think are pretty high ranking. I mean, especially the more recent ones. I really liked Onward that came out earlier this year. I thought it was it was a different take, but it was good. I like Up, I like Inside Out. And so I was just so excited about this one. I mean, I loved Coco. I, I feel like I cry every time I watch Coco. <laughs> but uh, I love Coco, the music, the colors, the story. It was just so beautiful. So I that kind of sets the stage for me to say I was so excited about soul and what I loved about soul first and foremost is the voice talent so uh I love Jamie Foxx I've I've been a Jamie Foxx fan all my life I started watching In Living Color I watched the Jamie Foxx show I remember seeing Ray on a date when I was in college I mean I've I remember seeing Dreamgirls it's just everything like I saw Django in theaters that one was interesting, <laughs> but I, long story short, I pretty much seen all his movies. Um, I haven't got as much into his stand up, but you know, I saw when he hosted BT awards, I just 
everything about his career I've always followed. And I love that this performance in this movie was so unique because I, I, I didn't know what to expect. Again, you see the trailer and I just see him being this like mellow, cool dude. And the character he plays is the lead character in the movie named Joe Gardner. And for context, Joe Gardner is very self-involved, very obsessed with his passion, which is jazz. And he's not really paying attention to the little things in life. And in the first couple minutes of the movie, Joe ends up getting a call from a former student and all the spoilers are ahead. So if you haven't seen it and you're going to see it, you don't want me to spoil it, pause now and come back later. But if you have seen it and you want to keep going, keep going. Uh, so after that little disclaimer, uh, in the first couple minutes of the movie, we learn a lot about Joe. We see he's a middle school band teacher. The kids that he teaches are not that great at band. And we see that he likes to play piano. Sometimes he zones out because he's just in a vibe. Like he's vibing with the music and he's such a phenomenal, phenomenal player. Uh, and a former student reaches out to him. He has an audition. He gets the gig. He's so excited. His life is about to change. He's walking, 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 and not paying attention to all the hazards along the way. Falls, dies. Technically, coma-like. I, I, that's that's what I really think happened. Like he falls. He's like in a coma, and he's in the great beyond the great between in the in the middle between life and death so I guess that's the best way to describe it in in the space between life and death and he can't get back to life he's passionately trying to get back to life so I like that Jamie Foxx was just really mellow and like he wasn't super funny Jamie Foxx he wasn't super serious Jamie Foxx he was just like a fun voice to listen to throughout the movie uh, Felicia Rashad was his mom and I was really excited about that because I just saw her a couple weeks ago in Jingle Jangle and it was so good so it's nice to hear her voice always uh, Angela Bassett played uh, Dorothea who is the saxophone player in the band that uh, Joe auditions to play with it's actually a quartet not a band so she is the saxophone player and I just like her in in films. I love her her as a voice talent. She was the villain in Bumblebee, and it was it just was perfect. So, um, I loved Donnell Rawlings, who was the barber, who has this phenomenal monologue in the middle of the movie. So that was definitely a major like for me. The voice talent. The second major like was the story. I thought the story was very true to Pixar. And to me, if I had to sum up what the movie was about, I would say it's about seeing life from a different perspective. And basically Joe has to, to fall down a hole and live in between life and death to recognize the beauty that is part of his life. And so to me, he had this really big shift of his perspective because his perspective was initially like I don't want to work full-time as a band teacher I don't like my life I just want to play jazz all day and I just want to talk about jazz all day and I just want to talk you know be part of jazz all day like jazz 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 (laughs) so um I think the story was really in line with like a lot of the other Pixar films and his perspective changed after everything that he went through But I think one thing I've noticed when people talk about soul is it wasn't just a change of Joe's perspective. Joe had this level of influence that I really liked seeing on screen. And there were so many people that he influenced throughout the movie, starting with the first person he influenced, which was 22. And that's the soul that he met when he's in between life and death. And so he meets 22 and 22 is essentially like, there's no reason why I'd want to go to earth. I don't want to live. 
I, you know, she's had all these mentors who try to help her want to become whole enough to get an earth pass and to be a soul placed in a body. And she's just like, why don't I want to go down there? And uh, towards the end of the movie, you start to understand why. But Joe influences 22 to say, like, I've never met someone who wanted to live so badly. And I see your passion. Like, I see you. Uh, the next person that Joe actually, that was the second person Joe influenced. The first person was the former student who calls him and tells him about the gig with Dorothea, like basically tells him like, I never knew anyone loved jazz more. Uh, the next person that he influenced a lot, I'd have to say is his mom because his mom was really adamant that him getting a job offer in the beginning of the movie to be a full-time band teacher when he had been a part-time for several years, she was like, this is what, this is the goal. This is what you've been working for. This is it. You're going to have security. Like this is what we did. And her, his mom said something interesting that I didn't really remember till the end of the movie, but she says, now you'll get to play jazz full time. And that kind of blows my mind that she said that because Joe did not see it from that perspective. He was very adamant, very focused about continuing to play gigs. And so he was able to influence his mom to come around and be a little bit more supportive of what he wanted to do and less focused on the vision that she felt was most best for his life. So that's another person that he influenced. And then the third um, person that he influenced would be the people that decided that he should continue to live because he essentially came back to the great before and he ended up saying like, I, I've, I've done all the living I can do. I'm ready to go. And they're like, no, we think you deserve another shot. We, we see you and we see how great you are. And, you know, we see your influence on 22 who had been there for years and never wanted to live. And they felt like he was, he should get another chance, a second chance at life. So that was definitely one of my favorite parts of the film. I'd say the story and then just watching Joe's influence to the point where he had even influenced 22 in a negative way, just because the way that he spoke to her was a little negative and not kind of harsh. And I don't even think he realized it and he did realize it at the end, but when he said it, he didn't see it. And he was able to kind of like take a look in the mirror and see like maybe the tone of what I said was not so nice and apologize and make it right with her. So seeing his influence blossom throughout the film was one of my favorite parts. Um, Another thing that I liked was uh, there's this big thing called the Pixar theory, and it's a theory of how all the Pixar films are related. So a couple Easter eggs in Soul that I um, had to notice the second, third time that I watched was the Pizza Planet truck. So if you don't know about the Pizza Planet truck, it's the truck from the very first Toy Story movie, and it's literally in all the Pixar films. So in this specific movie, the uh, Pizza Planet truck is actually in the great beyond or the great before when joe's walking through the great before you can see it in there and then the luxor lamp is in there and then they also talk about the doors so when the souls are placed with a mentor they walk through a door and they talk about how the doors are related to monsters inc where the monsters go through a door and they scare the children or in the end of monsters inc how they make the children laugh so it kind of talks about how all the films kind of tie together. And if you guys notice it, there's one soul in the movie who says, I'm an egotistical megalomaniac sociopath. And they were talking about how that soul probably ties in with um, 
Incredibles and Buddy, the first villain in the first film, or the woman who's a villain in the second film, uh, how they both kind of had those characteristics. So perhaps that's where that soul was going into a body. Uh, another thing that I noticed about the movie is to me, when I first start watching, I was like, man, this is a lot like inside out because it shows a lot of the inner workings of our, our bodies and like who we are, but it really didn't show that. Uh, I think it's a lot more like Coco than inside out after I watched it again, because Coco was about people dying and so was soul. And so that's kind of how they tie in. But soul is more about who you are versus Coco being about the more the grieving process and losing family members and coming together. It was a little bit different. I also felt like soul was more, and I know all Pixar movies are enjoyable for adults, but I felt like this one was more made for adults and supposed to be enjoyable for children as like the byproduct of that. So that was the first movie I'd give that distinction to. Cause when I watched those cars movies, I was like, this definitely is not for adults. <laughs> it's definitely for the kids. I could see how adults might like it a little bit, but they just, they weren't my favorite. Um, but I definitely got the, this is for a kid vibe from those more so than soul. Like a couple minutes in, I was like, I don't know if kids will really be into this, but I didn't watch it with one. So I don't really know. <laughs> uh another thing that I really liked about it was the music the score was phenomenal and it was actually scored by Trent Reznor and he scored a lot of films where I just love the music like the social network girl with the dragon tattoo um and he scored waves so I don't know if y'all have seen that but it's a complex movie but what I really liked about it was the music and the soundtrack and how it all came together the piano playing is by John Batiste, and I thought he was really phenomenal. Uh, I Yeah, I went and looked up the score on Apple Music because I was like, I just love this. It's just so peaceful, and it's just such a jazz vibe. It's it's great. I, I It's a soundtrack I'd probably listen to over and over. Another thing that I really loved about the movie was the fact that they captured aspects of Black culture. I would first start off with the hair. I just felt like the hair was just natural. It was beautiful. It was flowing. And there are all kinds of different styles. Dorothea, uh, who's the saxophone player in the quartet, uh, she has this beautiful flowing afro, like big hair. The barber, he has this like really nice lineup and beard. And he just, it's just, I don't know, just warmed my heart to see that. I was like, wow, okay. And then I really love that, um, Joe is like so adamant about his hair looking good, his lineup looking good. And he ends up going to the barber once it's messed up and how important it was to him to make sure that it was fresh. Like it was just, it was right in line. Uh, they had this poster in the barbershop that I was like, wow, that perfectly captures like, like exactly what you'd see in a barbershop. The, the sign on the wall, like with the different hair designs and the cuts and the styles. I thought that his mom was a good example of like a boomer mom who really wants their child to have this full-time job and sees it as security. And I would also add that to the fact that a lot of the boomer parents, uh, especially boomer parents, I feel like of color are really adamant about the nine to five notion of get a nine to five. It's so secure. And if you guys out there are anything like me and my friends, I'm at least a decade into my career. And I feel like I've seen it all. Like I've been a contractor, I've been a full-time employee, I've been an influencer and 
all those things have taught me that nothing is secure, no job is secure, no place is secure, no no people are going to be consistent. And I always think about that when I hear people say like nine to five is security. It's like, no, I mean, we can tell ourselves that to play it safe, but nothing is permanent in this world. And so I think that I think that the mom was, she had well inten- good intentions for trying to motivate her son. Cause you know, they pay for his education they pay for him to study music, but she, you know, was just telling him what she felt like was best, but yeah, definitely reminded me a lot of our culture and how our parents are really still do believe that because they've been able to work jobs for 30, 40, 45 years. And I don't know if the outcome for us in 30, 30, 45 years is going to be the same. Another thing I liked about it is if you guys, maybe you caught it, maybe you missed it, but there's a point in the film where uh, Joe Gardner is, his soul is in a cat and he tells 22 whose soul is in his body, like, make sure you put some lotion on me. Um, That's definitely something that my mom would definitely be saying something like that to me. And so it kind of made me a little nostalgic for when I was younger and she'd be like, look at your ashy ankles. And it, it did make me also think about Proud Families. If you ever watch Proud Family, the gross sisters are blue. And I only recently realized that they're blue because they're ashy. And so um, it, I just, it was a funny moment. I was like, hey, did he really just say that? And he was very serious. So I actually made a list of the things that I did not like about the movie. And there's only two things on it. Uh, So jumping into those, the first major, major thing that I did not like about the movie was, like I said, when I saw the trailer, I just see this black man like walking down the street and then he falls on a hole and then he's a blue blob. And I was like, please don't let Joe be a blue blob. Please don't let Joe be dead. Cause that's the way it came off from the trailer. I was like, dang, he's just going to be dead the whole movie. And that would be very unfortunate if he was dead the whole movie. And so I was cautiously optimistic that that wasn't going to be the outcome of the story and I was still hyping myself up to watch it if that was the story but I just didn't want him to be like a blue water droplet object uh the whole film it's like we've had this movie and when I think about some of Pixar's other films even Inside Out with the story taking place inside her head like Riley was still Riley the whole movie and when I think about Up, like Carl was still Carl the whole movie. And when I think about Coco, you know, Miguel was Miguel the whole movie. Uh, yeah, he had the face paint on and he did go to the world of the dead, but it's just like he was still in his own body the whole film. So I was just hoping for that outcome for this one. I mean, <sighs> Hopefully in the future, Pixar will have a a movie with a person of color in the lead and they won't become something else for the majority of the film and their soul won't be someone else through the majority of the movie either. But small thing to me, just given the grand scheme of the, the, what I saw as the purpose of the movie, but it's just something I was just like, I hope he's not going to be a blue blob. Like that was just my first initial reaction to the trailer. And the second thing would be 22. So I'm going to preface this by saying in the movie, they specifically have a whole dialogue about this where Jamie Foxx is like, why do you sound like a middle-aged white woman? And he said that to 22. And 
At first, I didn't think anything of it, but then I looked up that 22's voice was Tina Fey, and they did not publicize that much at all. I'm sure they have their reasons. Uh, the Most of the voice talent that I saw, you know, doing, like, promos was Jamie Foxx and, you know, Felicia Rashad and Angela Bassett, which I get. But when they said that line, I was like, I mean, she said that the reason why she sounded like a middle-aged white woman is because it was the most annoying voice. And I guess they were just trying to like poke fun at the topic, but I really felt like 22 could have been voiced by someone else like Octavia Spencer. She's done some other Pixar movies. She did Onward and she was in, um, not a Pixar movie, but she was in Zootopia. So she's done other Disney films and given her voice talent to those. So why couldn't she be the voice of 22 or even Cree Summer, who's like voiced so many different cartoons. I mean, she voiced Susie on the Rugrats and, I just was like, maybe someone else could have taken that part. So it wouldn't have had to be a middle-aged white woman in the body of a black man for like most of the movie. Though, I will flip on the other side of that and just say, when someone else got in Joe's body, it took that experience for him to see his life differently. But by saying that, I feel like it could have been a different person voicing that part and he'd still have the same visual effect of like my life isn't as bad as I thought or I I can change by seeing this perspective of myself and looking at myself differently because imagine if you had to live your life where you're like outside your body you would totally look at things so differently or if if someone who's like total life was like total opposite yours or maybe they don't make as much money as you or maybe they're not married and they're single um, and they got in your life and you are marrying and they see the total opposite of pr- appreciating every day. Like that, I think it's just hard not to be in someone else's shoes and look at their life and appreciate things or see things in a different light than they do. Like it's impossible. There's no way that you're going to be able to do it. Like have y'all ever seen wife swap? Because that's exactly what wife swap was about. And so I think you just see things from a totally different viewpoint, vantage point when you're outside of yourself. And I think that that story still could have come across with someone else as 22 is the voice talent. And that whole line was just kind of awkward to throw in. I don't know. I don't know why that was put there, but I felt like 22 could have easily have been like a little boy or a little girl uh, or a, a little black girl, little boy, black boy, since they brought that line into the movie to tell us that it was supposed to sound like an annoying middle-aged white woman, which is... I don't know. That has like his whole own thing that I don't really want to dig deeper into, but those are just the two things. And I feel like they're kind of, kind of related, but then kind of not related. But I, again, still love the film. I'd still tell people to watch it. Cause I think there was something good to get out of it. I mean, I was definitely crying when I finished it because it was just moving and the way it ended, I think left the door open for maybe a TV show or a sequel, uh, just because it was really ambiguous of like, what happened. I mean, the only thing I feel like I got from the ending was that Joe was going to live his life more intentionally and appreciate every day and not take them for granted. I mean, if you're in a coma, I can't imagine how you would just go back to living your life like you lived it before. And I think that that's what he took out of the whole experience is like, I'm going to find the joy in every day, 
my life is really beautiful. I think he realized that the impact he felt like his life was supposed to have, he could get it through teaching. And that kind of takes me back to the last thing that I loved about the movie. So after Joe plays the gig that he auditioned for and he gets back in his own shoes, he has this moment outside of the club with Dorothea and he's just tells he's just saying to her like, is that it? Is that, that all we get to do? And she says to him, she tells him this story about fishes in the ocean and that's when I started realizing like this show is really, a, I mean, this movie is really a story about perspective because this fish was like trying to get to the ocean, trying to get to the ocean, but they were already in the ocean and just had this really limited perspective of where he was. And so I thought about it that way is like, Joe was like, this it, this is, this is all we get to do. And she was like, you know, we get to do it again tomorrow. But to him, I think he started realizing like, maybe me doing gigs wasn't really that great. Maybe teaching was really my thing. Maybe influences is really my thing. Maybe mentoring and, and being a private tutor for the band students has more influence than me playing gigs. Or maybe I can do both. Maybe I don't have to be a full-time gig player because it isn't the same as going to work and teaching these kids every day, but I do get to do it and I love it on the weekends. So I think it was in that moment where he just really realized like I've just been so laser focused on doing this it's not really as satisfying as I thought and what I've been doing is really satisfying and just another uh, little thing that I noticed about the movie was that Joe had been working part-time as a band teacher for years and that really made me sad because it made me think that the, the school or the county where the school is or the state where the school is was not giving the school enough funding to have him as a full-time asset. Did they not see the value that he was bringing to the role or is that part of the story to where, I don't know. I just, I just thought about that when I first watched it where I was like, why has he been doing this for part-time for so long? Um, what's up with this? What's up with the money? Like at the school? I'm Yeah. I remember we had a part-time band teacher when I was in like elementary school, but I think he was a full-time band teacher at the high school. So he'd like come over, but I don't know. I still found that to be a little bit odd that he was a part-time band teacher for so long. If the, the middle school band was like feeding into a high school band, I'm sure that they needed to invest more into him as a resource and into the arts as a whole. Cause they're always cutting budgets. When I was in high school, we were in chorus and it's just really hard to get funding if you're not part of the athletic department and I was a part of both where we had like cheer boosters and football boosters and the money just moves differently for those things. So yeah, it was really sad to see that they had only had a part-time band teacher for all that time when Joe is so talented and he's obviously very educated. I felt like I heard them call him Dr. Gardner. I, I, maybe I'm making that up, but they definitely called him Mr. Gardner. And so I know he has the, the credentials to be there, but it took them that long to get him the job that he should have had for a long time. So just something to think on. I mean, it's a cartoon, but just something that I kind of picked up on when I watched it and I was like, what is up with that? <laughs> but anyway, I, if you guys haven't seen soul, I highly recommend it on Disney plus and if you have seen it, let me know what you thought of it. You can let me know on Twitter. I'm the great Dana J and on Facebook, the great Dana J too. And I am blogging at the and you can reach out to me there. If you love my podcast, feel free to give me a rating. Uh, and you can email me at Dana at the great as well. And I look forward to the next time that I'm able to share something with you guys. And hopefully that will be soon. 
talk to you then. Bye.